0: A Sickness in Time by M. F. Thomas and Nicholas Birkettle. Narrated by Roseanne Sinclair. Epilogue Olu, Finland, 2025. Actually, I like scars, Josh said, feeling bold under the influence of good whiskey. They tell us a secret about humanity. He heard a snicker next to him. Minjun Dan, a brilliant physicist whose reputation had preceded him into this party, had been Josh's primary partner in conversation all night, and an instant delight from their first exchange. Now Minjun was watching out of the corner of his eye as Josh perused a bumpy line of skin on an otherwise impeccable female arm. The woman with the scar smiled softly and took the bait. What secret is that? We're imperfect. Our maintenance systems, I mean. We can create an arm like this, repair a certain amount, but past a certain point, patching the damage proves to be more important than perfectly recreating what came before. Your body is like a ship launched into the ocean, and your systems are designed to keep you afloat not pull you into harbor looking flawless i think scars are about memories she answered stretching her arm out and looking at it with this i have the memory of something painful but i don't have to remember it in fear anymore she was a few years older than josh but seemed charmed by his confidence and the way he couldn't conceal that something about her dazzled him For Josh, who at 24 hadn't spent much time participating in bar-top social rituals, it was a rare thrill to be doing it for real, and apparently successfully, at least in the early going. She was neither aloof nor chasing him, and had spurned conversation from several others in this impressive room, seemingly preferring silence to triviality. He didn't detect any cynicism in her sparkling eyes, though... She was vivaciously curious and content to wait for something worth exploring. So far, this conversation seemed to be working. In my business, we say that makes it a feature, not a bug, Josh answered. Yes, if I accept the scar and the inevitability of the scar, it means I'm free of regret. Josh chuckled and grinned. Regret? It's uniquely human, isn't it? She just smiled while her eyes revealed the strength left behind by some terrible obstacle surmounted. You know I'm very lucky, he followed up. Are you? Incredibly lucky. I've met two people tonight who have been able to show me a different way to look at the world. Have you heard of Min Jin Dan? Min Jin leaned forward over the bar so the woman could see him. He waved, then went back to his pretense of not listening to them. I have, she answered. Looks like I've picked the fun corner to be in. Really? There's rock stars over there. Diplomats, thinkers, economists. your standard party-whoring billionaires. But you want to hang out with the science nerds. I am a science nerd, she answered. I'm a chemist. Really? Josh answered. You should work for me. I do work for you, she answered with a smile. Josh didn't hide his chagrin. Ah, Anna Louisa hired you. The woman nodded. She's a godsend. She's taken care of me since day one. She knows you need it. So, what's your name? Not yet, she answered. How often do you get to make a billionaire squirm? The conversation had happily become a three-way one. Josh loved the arrangement. They were distinct and separate, and yet very exciting when packed together. Neapolitan ice cream, he thought idly, enjoying the childish metaphor and the memories attached to it. It never failed in the most interesting moments That these globe trotting thought clouds, or whatever-the-hell buzz term they were going by these days. were not in the lectures and symposiums, but in the parties. Josh wondered if a more successful gathering could be engineered just through a system of assigning invitees to a particular party room to mingle with a cultivated selection of minds. Surely such serendipity as what he was enjoying now could be engineered, he thought cockily. Min Jin here, Josh gestured with his whiskey tumbler, says he's going to convince me to change careers. Why would you want to do that, the woman teased. Aren't you enjoying being the savior of Earth? That bloody Time magazine cover, Josh thought, I'll never get to live that down. Listen, no. What I did is solve a problem before anyone else did, and it turned out to be useful. And by problem, Min Jin interjected, he means an equation, not a troubling situation. How do you know me so well already, Josh laughed. If I'm being honest, It wasn't even my idea. Really, she said, brushing her hair back before settling her chin on her hand and leaning in. Her interest piqued. The genius, Josh Scribner, a thief. Josh looked around. Their table was surrounded by security escorts because people had a habit of trying to foist their crackpot ideas on Josh if they could get near him and then sue him afterwards by saying he stole them. Even now, he could sense hopeful eyes around the room, casting glances at him and hoping they would somehow bridge the few feet between them, maybe even just beam a little message into his brain. But that was still science fiction. They had a discreet little island inside all this heavyweight noise, so he decided to enjoy it. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story, he said, dropping his voice low to up the conspiracy factor. We're in a little club now, and this is our club secret. Should I spit in my palm? The woman asked. I would rather not, Minjun volunteered, waiting for some fresh hot water for his tea. So I'm 14 years old, Josh said. My parents had grounded me for something, never mind what. And when I say grounded... I mean grounded in a way that really gets to someone like me. No network access. No devices. They took my smartphone and turned off the cable in their own house, sent requests to all my friends' parents to not let me use their networks. I was using pens and paper for my homework. Torture, the woman interjected, with a perfect balance of teasing and sympathy. Right? Exactly. So I got ticked off, and I took a walk towards the school. There were like six different Wi-Fi networks there, and I had borrowed a friend's tablet. I was a junkie looking for a fix, you know? So I hopped the fence around the school, and I'm on the athletic field, and there's these two women jogging. One of them especially catches my eye. She's just plugging away at the dirt. Thump, 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 thump. She had this fierce look on her face. I immediately thought that by running, she was, like, fighting something. Does that make sense? Min Jin nodded, and Josh continued. So, I don't know why. Maybe it's just because everybody else is doing it, but I decided to run, too. And I've never been an athlete. I'd rather invent a cyborg body and put my brain into it than hoist a dumbbell. Barbell? Whatever. I put the tablet in my little backpack and take off running. And before I even get around the track once, I'm wheezing, just totally useless. Not even once? the woman asked. Like three quarters of once, sixty five per cent at the very least. But you travel the distance from desire to action, and that is where you must be proud, Minjun interjected. Are you serious? Josh lost himself to giggling. I don't pat myself on the back for getting out of bed each day, and I never jogged again, so that doesn't count as a triumph in any philosophy. But I'm over near the drinking fountain, double over, heaving, and the weirdest thing happens. My brain starts to focus. I mean, really, dial in. All my frustrations, the adolescent anger, all these things are distractions, and suddenly they're just evaporating. I feel like if you'd put a computer in front of me right at that moment, I could have come up with something to make me a fortune. And that's when you had your breakthrough, she guessed. Honestly? No. I think I was working on some other breakthrough. He laughed and looked down. I know that sounds off the charts arrogant, but that's where I was at. I don't even remember what it was now. Because this woman, the jogging woman... She stops at the drinking fountain next to me, and she just starts talking. And I'm 14, so the only grown-ups who talk to me are teachers and, I don't know, store managers, so I'm totally confused. She's really salty, like blue-collar, and I haven't met a lot of people like that. And she takes a big drink and says, Water. Damn, everyone needs it, and they aren't making any more. Anybody who could figure out where every drop of water is could make a trillion dollars. No, the woman shouted with delight, reaching out to smack Josh's arm affectionately. She didn't. Some stranger on a jogging track? I was dumbstruck, Josh answered, caught up in the delight of the story. But I realized she was absolutely right. It was one of those subterranean equations about all human life, right? how much water does a person need? A forest? A city? How much of it needs to be salt water to spawn the sea life needed to feed a population? Suddenly, I saw the whole earth as this closed system of water that was going to get more and more valuable and needed closer and closer management. Suddenly, all I wanted to do was go home and start modeling it. Well, did you at least thank her? All I could do was stare and then she walked over to me and said something even weirder my name's Maria Kerrigan she said and you owe me two things one don't be a selfish asshole and two don't ever come looking for me this is our last conversation okay that's what she said word for word I've never forgotten it and okay now now we get to the weird part The woman shook her head incredulously. Please, tell me the weird part. After I got my first big contract writing software for a city water department, I decided to look her up. Kick her a bonus. Not be a selfish asshole, right? And I swear to you, Maria Kerrigan is listed as having died the night before I saw her on the track. What? Maria Kerrigan. Pilot former air force picture looked exactly like i remembered her described by friends as an avid jogger died died the night before i saw her in a plane crash hundreds of miles away i checked the dates over and over again and she was dead you're telling me a ghost gave you career advice the universe must not have thought you could interpret subtle signals, Min Jin teased. The universe isn't wrong on that one, but that's where it started. Everything that went into my company, my business, my fortune. A much smaller fortune than others would have made once you made all your algorithms public. Trust me, the traders never stopped squealing about that. Said I wasn't even leaving a fortune for myself on the table. I was strangling a million would-be water market entrepreneurs in their cradles. So you decided that no one should ever die of dehydration? We decided no one should die of polio if we could help it. Why not this step too? Sure, might argue, Minjun said, that the purpose of the human race isn't to save everyone, but only those who earn survival. I guess I never asked myself what the purpose of the human race is, Josh said. But I know I don't agree with that. Or maybe I just don't know what earning it means. Definitions are important, aren't they? He leaned back, suddenly reflective. It's not even the first fortune I've turned down. When I first started getting a profile, before I connected with Ana Luisa... This company reached out and offered me a job. This weird Russian guy ran it. He had a reputation in hacker circles. I won't even quote you the salary he offered. It was probably the most lucrative job offer in human history. Said he wanted me to hack the brain so it could talk to computers. Sounds like a thrilling field. Sure. I mean, even now I think about it from time to time. It's an enticing problem. But water, by that time, water already just felt like me. It's hard to explain. The guy got desperate. I think I turned him down ten times. And he started showing up in person. Kaslik, Minjun said, his head tilted and a strange look on his face. Yeah, Kaslik, how have you heard of him? Minjin nodded to himself as the memory confirmed the strangeness he had felt first. Yes, Spartak Kaslik. Russian. Very rich. He made me an offer too. What did he want you to do? He would only say it had to do with particle accelerators working in tandem and that I would have unlimited resources. He was exercised about it. I think is the best word. And you turned him down too? I did. It did not feel like science, and I did not need that much money. Now there's a coincidence I never thought I'd see. I think you and I were meant to meet, Josh answered. I think so too, Min Jen answered, sipping his tea with immense satisfaction. Now Josh turned to the woman he found so fascinating. Please tell me the mad rich Russian also found you. She just shook her head. Nope. Sorry. Never heard of him. Josh snapped his fingers in frustration. Do you ever regret turning down two fortunes? She asked. Well, he stared into his glass. If you go back and start changing your life, you think you're fixing something, but you might find that you can't put it back together the way you like because we're imperfect, Min Jin added and you end up with scars, she concluded yeah, Josh smiled so anytime I find myself on that road I just think back to that night on the dogging trail and I just let those thoughts he wiggled his hand upwards to demonstrate Escape into the sky. You got it, The woman smiled. What? My name. Sky Sibelius. Josh leaned forward. Sky Sibelius. Now there's a name I can't imagine forgetting. A Sickness in Time by M.F. Thomas and Nicholas Thirkettle, Narrated by Roseanne Sinclair Learn more about the novel by visiting www.sicknessintime.com If you've read A Sickness in Time, please leave a review in Amazon, Goodreads, or other book review sites.